We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast. We're brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Minnesota Timberwolves are 1-0. They smoked the Houston Rockets Wednesday night. It was 72-45 to at halftime. Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards on their own scored as many points as Houston did in those first two quarters. The final score was 124-106. If you're new to the podcast this season, uh, let me just tell you what we do here. I'm, I'm Dane. I've been covering the Wolves as a writer and other capacities since 2016, and this is my podcast on these post-game pods. Yeah, we just kind of recap the game. It really, it's it's usually my four or five biggest takeaways from the game, and in between those takeaways, I mix in some audio clips from the interviews. We do post-game with the players and coaches today. On the pod, you'll hear from Chris Finch, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Edwards, and Anthony Edwards really is the place to start tonight in this game. I mean... He finished with 29 points, six made threes on 12 attempts, four of nine from two, 24 again of those 29 points came in the first half. It was, he dominated, man. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know when the recognition is going to come nationally, but this kid's special. I'm I'm telling you right now, the narrative is going to come that Ant is, you know, quote, a different player this season that that's going to be the word, right? Because people are going to look at his stats from last season that, you know, in, as a whole, they were inefficient. If you just look at Ant's numbers last year, it was like 42% from two, 33% from three. And they'll say that this explosion that is about to happen came from nowhere. But we know well, we know that's not true. We, we've been watching. We, we saw what Ant did down the stretch last season. And we know that what is about to happen, what I think started tonight, is really just it's the next step in his progress, progression. I mean, he was, it was bad at the beginning of last season. He was inefficient. And then he started learning, you know, he grew. And I think, you know, above all else, he became a better shooter and that changed his game. We we know if a year ago I was sitting here talking to you about how Ant only shot nine twos and took 12 threes that we know that probably wouldn't have been a good game. Last season, if he wasn't attacking the rim, he wasn't scoring efficiently. And this year, he is using that shot to set up the attack. And at least for tonight, it, it really worked. I just want to start here with what Ant had to say post-game, explaining that the shot is really the plan. You shot 12 threes tonight. 
much more than you drove to the basket, but you made half of your threes. In a normal course of events, do you think that you're going to be probably shooting more threes than drives, or is it just I mean, kind of mixing it up? I mean, yeah, because in order for the lane to open up, you've got to shoot threes or make them respect the jumper. You know what I'm saying? So if you look at how if I get a switch, Christian Wood, he's playing all the way back. So I got to hit a couple threes for him to come up to respect my jumper. So, I mean, in order for me to get down here, which I'm, I'm very good at, I got to hit jumpers. So that's why I worked on it so much. You talked about the things you've worked on, obviously, over the course of the summer. Why Why are you a different player this season than you were last season? Um. Just I wanted to change my mindset, man. Just coming in every day, locked in. Um, I think um, me doing that is going to just make me a better player all all around. So every game I try to come in, focus, locked in with a, a game-ready mindset and go from there. So what was that like last season and just kind of adjusting to, to a new setting and now you kind of are more comfortable in it? Yeah, I mean, last year, I mean, everybody was just – we was just comfortable. Like, we was losing. Everybody was just coming, just practicing, going through it. This year, we got energy. Everybody happy. We want to see our brothers succeed. Um, you know what I'm saying? We playing with, with passion out there, and we plan to win this year. Well, there you go. They're playing to win this year. This is I, – I mean, we got to pour a little bit of water on here that – for some context that, you know, Houston isn't good. Bigger tests are coming for this Wolves team. They should have smoked the Rockets, but I think we did see important things start to be laid down. And with this team, those important things, they start defensively. If you want to beat real teams, you're going to have to guard. The Wolves know that. And we saw the beginning of a defensive foundation start to be put in place tonight. And it really started with Josh Akogi. Akogi is a defensive weapon. We've, we've seen these flashes from Akogi, right? In the past, watch the game tonight. You're like, I've seen that before. But I really do think Akogi doing this pops more within a more competent roster. I, I know this is Akogi's fourth year, but really the only, if you think about it, the only competent roster he's played on was in his rookie year, which sounds kind of crazy because that was the Jimmy Butler like trade demand year, which was not necessarily a competent season. But after the Wolves traded Butler, right, they... They got Covington and they got Sarge and it was a it was a competent group. But Josh wasn't playing very much then. It was his rookie year. So he got very little time in that competent construct. Like, yes, Akogi played a lot the past two seasons, but but those rosters were so kind of broken that Akogi was he was being tasked with doing more than I think is ideal for him. He just he fits better in this construct, in this group. I guess just a better group. And I know. I, I've personally been hard on the way that this roster is constructed, you know, mostly just not for having the necessary size. But a Kogi's when a Kogi is competent in his role with surrounding competent pieces, it can kind of make up for some of that the brokenness that this roster has. I mean, a Kogi started a power forward tonight. He was the he was the mystery fifth starter that we've been all trying to figure out, you know, who it's gonna be. It was Starting lineup was D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, the four we knew, and then Josh Kogi was the fifth. And we've been talking for a while now about how the idea of a Kogi in this shared forward duty role next to McDaniels like might be a thing. I, I brought up the idea of using a Kogi as a power forward before last season. I backed off of that as the year went on. It just wasn't working. And I, I think because because we all saw that that didn't really work last season 
over the course of this summer, we weren't really putting a Kogi in the conversation for this fifth starter role. Like, right, we thought it we thought it would probably be Vanderbilt, or we thought they might go real small in the backcourt and start Beasley, slide McDaniels up into that four small ball lineup. But a Kogi is suggesting that he's the best option. Tonight after the game, Finch called a Kogi the tone setter. And I, I, I think that was fair. If you watch the game, he, he set the tone. I mean, over the years, I thought it was interesting. I was watching the game, you know, that a, a Kogi seemed trustworthy. He seemed, he seemed someone that could be relied upon defensively. And I remember, again, over the years, Cat has talked about how he's had very few teammates that he could just kind of blindly trust defensively. He's brought up Kevin Garnett. He brought up Robert Covington in that. But those are the only guys where I think when Cat, that if there's someone behind him, he trusted KG behind him. He trusted Covington behind him. And I, I think Akogi's getting there. So tonight after the game, I asked Cat if Akogi is being one of those more trustworthy defensive teammates. Carl, you talked about the importance of having that, that trust with, with players defensively over the over the past few years. Is Josh Akogi becoming one of those players for you where you have that, that trust that he's there? Oh, for sure. I think that, you know, I think that in these two days, I think when you say defensively, the trust lies on Patrick Beverly and, and J.O. especially. J.O. has gained our trust since day one. Um, he, he, one thing about J.O., even if he messes up the game plan, he's not. He's going to play with so hard that he's going to find a way to figure it out and fix it just by pure energy. So, uh, for sure, we understand whenever they have a, a, a super talented guard, even a forward, J.O., you got him. J.O. wants the challenge. That's the difference between other defenders and J.O., and that's why I think this year he's going to prove he's an all-defensive player. Um, he, it's not that he runs away from anyone. He's asking to go guard them. He wants to prove that they're, they they haven't played against a defender like him. And I think that confidence, um, you, I think you as the media see it every day. I think as much as Akogi deserves that credit from Cat, for sure, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt also deserves a lot of credit for also laying down the defensive foundation. Jaden McDaniels, you know, he had, a, he had a good defensive game too, not to take away from it. McDaniels had four steals and three blocks. Like, those pop. But we talk about this all the time with defense in the NBA. It's not just about ending possessions. Ending possessions is great. Blocks are great. Steals are even better. Defensive rebounds are good. They end possessions. That's critical. But where the defense year over year breaks down is by not having a defensive foundation in place that makes it harder for the opponent to score on the other possessions when you're not getting a steal, when you're not getting a block. That's why we talk about scheme all the time. And Josh Okogie, but particularly Jared Vanderbilt, was terrific at executing the scheme defensively tonight. For those of you who have been listening to the pod during training camp, you know the Wolves have changed their defensive scheme in a way that puts, as Chris Finch puts it, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot greater of an emphasis this year on the low man. Not Cat back at the rim, not Nas back at the rim, but the low man on the back line, which is often going to be the small forward or power forward. That's gonna be a Kogi, that's gonna be Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt was just terrific at that tonight. You saw him wall up in those verticality rim defenses. He wasn't getting fouls. He was making it hard for the guards once they got to that level to be able to get a shot off. That is the perfect example of, okay, it's not a block. It's not a steal, but I made you take a shot that more likely than not is going to be a miss. And while Okogi was 
Kogi was less often tonight. The low, I mean, I got to go back and watch, but you know, in my in my head, sitting here now after the game, you know, Kogi was on Kevin Porter Jr. a lot, so he was more on the Kogi was more on the perimeter, but rather than on the baseline. But when Kogi was out there too, that low man concept was really good, and that has a lot to do with Kogi's ability to contain the ball, because when he can contain the ball at the point of attack, that rotation is just going to be so much more natural for the other players, for Cat there, for the low man to rotate over. And, and you saw kind of the, the counter positive of that, I guess, was that the Wolves got cooked tonight every time in tonight's game when both Akogi and Vanderbilt were off the floor. Do you remember in the first quarter that, that little burst that happened over like three minutes where Porter Jr. and Jalen Green were just getting to the basket, getting easy layups, and that's when that's when Akogi and Vanderbilt were both off the floor. The low man fell apart. Porter Jr. layup, Green layup. I mean, it it was... Those were the blips in the game today of being like, okay, the defense isn't there. But for the rest of the game, whenever those two were on there, I mean, when Vanderbilt came in in the first quarter, it immediately fixed the problem. He clogged that. He was defending the rim, again, with verticality. One of my biggest takeaways from tonight is that I think this team needs one of a Kogi on the floor, one of a Kogi or Vanderbilt on the floor as much as possible. Maybe... Uh, maybe one of them on the floor at all times. Maybe they need to be, there needs to be not a gap there. They need to be rotating in for each other and maybe have a little bit of overlap. I, again, I got to go back and watch the defensive clips, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what the film is going to say as well. We're going to take a quick break here and then come back. I want to, I want to discuss the offensive explosion outside of Ant. Again, the highlights and the stats are going to, you're going to say this was the Ant show, but, but Cat and Dilo had their bursts as well. And I think, I think it was interesting to see how the baton was kind of effectively passed tonight. And then also I want to talk a little bit about Malik Beasley and why I think he was sort of the forgotten star of this game. Today's show was brought to you by TickPick. Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who use TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we're back. We're talking about the Timberwolves 124-106 victory over the Houston Rockets in the season opener. Again, in the first half, the Rockets scored 45 points. Ant had 24. Cat had 21 in that first half, 45 points of their own. The offense went through Cat early. We saw the Wolves be really intentional about trying to post Cat against Daniel Tice early. Cat got nine points in the first quarter in nine minutes. And then, boom, second quarter, Baton was passed to Ant, where he had 14 second quarter points. It was... Totally the Ant show. I'm sure you've all seen the clip of Ant telling Houston's coach, Stephen Silas, to, to call a timeout. I mean, that was that was Ant. That's the second quarter he blew up. But Dilo was really quiet in that first half. Again, it was Cat, then Ant, and you were like, all right, you know, can we involve all three of these guys? Dilo only had two first half buckets. But then right away, at the beginning of the third quarter, it was all Dilo. Dilo made four threes in that third quarter alone, 12 12 of his 13 points in the third quarter were from three. And that boosted Delo's point total to 22 points himself. When it was all said and done, Cat finished with 34 points. Ant finished with 29. And Delo had his 22. I asked Finch postgame about this kind of quarter-by-quarter quarter baton passing and if that sort of is going to need to be what happens with those three offensive weapons on the team. Chris, you, you've talked about the high usage kind of scores you had on this team in yeah. that first unit. It seemed almost slow quarter by quarter, cat, then to ant, then to D'Angelo. Is that kind of kind of the, the nature of when you have predominant scores like that, that it's going to kind of stagger out in that sort of way? Uh, you know, I, don't, I mean, I think that's a bit of a luxury. Uh, it unfolded that way. Um, it was very timely in doing so, too. I mean, our goal coming out of the second was to try to get D'Lo going. Uh, you know, he, he – uh, the foul trouble could never really get into a rhythm, but I was happy with the way he played in general. Like, and um, get some big shots. You know, I think it was a little bit of a take turn night. You know, which we probably need a bit more rhythm, uh, and that is still to come. I'm sure we're gonna work on that. 
I do think it's a reasonable hope that more of a rhythm is found as the season rolls on. I mean, it is it is tricky. They're three high-volume offensive players. But I was also thinking, as those three were going off tonight, that Malik Beasley now has a very different role on this team. You know, think back to a year ago, beginning of last season, Beasley was one of the main baton carriers, right? Like, he he was the offense a lot of times. But it's... We need to remember that last season was the Saunders part of the season and then the Finch part of the season. And I think, I I know I forget sometimes that Beasley only played four games under Finch last year because he had his suspension and then he had his injury. So really, Beasley's very good offensive season last year, it's more of like a theoretical copy and paste into this group. When Ant turned the corner last year and started playing at, you know, what most of us thought was like a near all-star level, in the second half of the year, like Beasley wasn't playing, which that just leads to the natural question this season of how exactly does Malik Beasley fit? And that's why I, I was really encouraged by Malik Beasley tonight because he did fit. And the, the nine points tonight aren't going to show it, but but I think Beasley's impact was greater than that. For me, for me, Malik Beasley is going to be the forgotten star of this game. Uh, for those of you who came to our NBA lottery event that Britt and I did this summer, you're familiar with Forgotten Star Brewery and Fridley. And we're partnering with them again this season by doing a forgotten star of every, of every game. And Malik Beasley is that forgotten star. He is low-key critical to this team this year. I really do think he's, one, an obvious ceiling raiser for the group. His shooting threat just does that. But two, Beasley is also the option that if there's a breakdown in the baton passing between Cat Dilo, and Ant, that... Beasley can be that offensive jolt. He can he can take a, a turn with the baton. The other guys in the rotation just they, they can't bring that offensive burst. Akogi and Vanderbilt aren't offensive weapons. Patrick Beverly is also largely a defensive weapon, just a catch and shoot guy. And you know what? We all got excited about Jaden McDaniel's creation game in summer league a little bit. You know that it just it isn't quite NBA ready. Like Malik has an NBA ready offensive game but why I think he was the forgotten star tonight is because he contributed to the game without scoring they didn't need that tonight if you watch the game you saw Beasley give that defensive effort I mean we know Beasley's always been an effort guy he is one of those end the possession type of defensive guys he he loves steals he loves blocks he loves deflections that's how in his head he seems to define good defense and yeah that's imperfect but but it's a start for him. And, and re-watching you know, some of the preseason in this past week, like I think Beasley is moving in the right direction in terms of scheme, understanding his spots, understanding his rotations. It helps he played in this scheme in Denver. And I just think you know, as great as Akogi was tonight in that fifth slot in the starting lineup, there, there are going to be times this season when you know, they, they need more out of that fifth spot. You know, they need more firepower. And I'm I'm optimistic that Beasley is making a case for that. I think the signs of effort and defensive growth, they make they make you believe that Malik Beasley might not just be this awkward fit on this team and might be, yeah, just kind of a a forgotten star of the group. If you're looking for a brewery this weekend, again, Forgotten Star Brewery, check them out in Fridley. And if you want a dollar off a pint of beer, tell them Dane Moore sent you. For real, that is a that's a thing you could do this year. 
So starting to look forward to these next two games, which are both at home against the Pelicans on Saturday and on Monday. Let's talk a little bit about what to expect. What I'll normally do at this point of the pod when we're talking about the next games is I'll be able to like give you a film review of what the of what the next team is. The Pelicans play tonight at the same time as the Wolves, so I obviously haven't yet had the chance to watch their game. I just know that they lost by 20 at home against the Sixers. And I think that's kind of in line with what we were anticipating from the Pelicans this year. Like, I don't think they're much of a threat, particularly without Zion. If they were, right, you would have expected them to put up a little bit more resistance against a flailing whatever's going on in Philadelphia right now. But they didn't. And I think our theory from preseason, from that preseason game the Wolves played against the Pelicans, is that they just kind of like the Rockets might not be a very good team. And to that end, like the Wolves could very well have two more wins on the record by Monday night, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think three and is a, a realistic possibility. Some more things are going to need to come together. One thing I'll be looking for in that game is just the addition of Patrick Beverly. He was suspended for tonight's game. And I think we all expect him to put his impact on this team when he gets the chance to play on Saturday. I just, I mean, it's, I, I can't even properly articulate to you how positive the reviews are of Patrick Beverly out of training camp. We've had a lot of time at these practices over the past few weeks to interview Finch and to interview the players after practice. And obviously, you know, defense comes up a lot in our questions. And I mean, every single time defense comes up to Finch or to any of the players, so does Beverly's name. I mean, Finch even referenced Beverly tonight as deserving credit for what the Wolves' defense did, defense did in this game, and Beverly wasn't even at the game. I don't think it's overselling anything to say that Beverly is totally the defensive culture setter, and if we do see this foundation start being put in place, like Patrick Beverly is going to have a lot of he's going to have a lot to do with it. But what impact might that have on the rotation is another question I'll have. Like tonight, we saw Jordan McLaughlin take the full reins of the backup point guard duties with no Beverly. J-Mac was the first sub into the game tonight for D'Lo, and he, and he played 19 minutes. You know, what's, what's J-Mac's role going to be once Beverly is in the mix? I know for me, one thing I'd like to see is Beverly playing next to D'Lo. Maybe that opens up some space for McLaughlin. Again, tonight, D'Lo was the first sub out and was then the first to sub back in with the second unit. He started the second quarter with that second group. Could that be where we see D'Lo next to Pat Bev? I think many of us think that Beverly might be in the closing lineup too for this team. That would obviously be next to D'Lo. In, in a blowout tonight, we obviously did not get to see what, what, fits, what Finch wants for a closing lineup. That didn't happen. But in training camp, in the time we've talked to him, he's hinted at Beverly or even Torian Prince being guys who could be in the closing group for this team, just sort of due to their experience, specifically Finch noted their experience in late game opportunities. I don't know. I just, I don't have a good feel. I have a good feel for like who Patrick Beverly is as a, you know, as a defensive player, as a very competent shooting option, but I don't, I don't really have my mind wrapped around what his role is like ultimately ends up being on this team. So I'm just kind of curious to see how that plays out on Saturday. But for game one, the starters were D'Lo, Ant, McDaniels, Okogi, Cat. And the second five was McLaughlin, Beasley, Prince, Vanderbilt, Nasreed. 
Is Finch going to go with 10 against the Pelicans? If so, like, is someone going to get pinched out of the rotation? I don't know. I, I kind of think it's going to be 11. I've, I've heard the plan is for McLaughlin to play this year. It'll be interesting to see what that rotation looks like when the team is fully loaded this week. And I'm not going to take too much away from what Finch went with today. Wrapping up here, I wanted to tell you guys that I'm also partnering with a daily fantasy sports company this season called Prize Picks. You might have seen my tweet uh, before the game where I'm, I'm going to do that every game where I pick out my, I tweet out my daily fantasy picks before the game. And I like this prize picks company because it's just over unders. It's not really a complicated scoring system or anything like that. It's just, just you ask yourself, how many points do I think D'Angelo Russell will score? And tonight his over under was 19 and a half points. And I tweeted before the game that I'd take the over on that. I mean, I was like, we saw how, aggressive D'Lo was with a shot in preseason and I was like, you're going to shoot it. I thought, I thought 20 was a lock. It took D'Lo a little while to get going, but he got to his 22. So I got that one. The other pick that seemed obvious to me was it was the over under for cat made threes was two and which was like lower than ants was two and a half and D'Lo's was two. And I'm like, how is cat not going to not the favorite to make the most threes, but that one was obvious to me and cat made three threes by halftime. So Two for two there. My third pick, I did not get. I picked over nine and a half rebounds for Christian Wood. We know the Wolves, or we thought the Wolves are in a good rebounding team. I thought Wood was also a lock for 10 rebounds. He had seven in the first half. I thought I was good. I thought I was going to sound so smart here. Three for three. But Wood barely played in the second half because it was a blowout. He finished with nine rebounds, so I missed that one. Almost perfect. Like I said, I'll be doing those after every game and talking about them on the pod. Uh, So if you want to play, it's... I, I'm not a big gamma guy or anything like or daily fantasy guy at all. I thought it was really easy and I thought it was it was fun. It's basically just choosing stat lines and thinking asking yourself if you think this is a reasonable expectation or of an over expectation, you kind of just go from there. So if you want to check out prize picks, download the app. It's easy. And if you throw in the promo code Dane, they'll match whatever you deposit into your account up to one hundred dollars. So I put in a hundred bucks, got up to two hundred just by them matching it. I looked at price pick spread for tomorrow and I'm hammering the under on 15 and a half points for Andrew Wiggins in the Warriors game against the Clippers on Thursday night. I don't know. I'm gonna have fun with it this year. I hope some of you guys want to play it as well. That is, yeah, that's about all I got for you tonight. We'll be doing these pods after almost every game this season. Not going to be a full crazy person again and do every single game this year. If it's a, if it's a back-to-back, I'm going to, I'm just going to do the second game of the back-to-back and, and not do both Friday and Saturday night. But honestly, I, I am just really excited to be back doing these pods with all of you. It was, it was just really fun to be back at Target Center. Fans were there. It's just such a bizarre juxtaposition on, on what last season was. And, and I just think this season's going to be kind of different. I, I don't know. Are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. But I will say... I don't feel any worse about my 38-win prediction after that game tonight. I think this team's going to hang around. And and a lot of that, honestly, for me is I do think Ant is about to happen. Feels like, feels like we're on the brink of something special with him. But I think you all know that because you've been watching. We'll see when he starts getting some, some of that respect put on his name. I will talk to you all on Saturday night. Pelicans, two wins in a row. 
I don't know. We'll see. Until then, I'm Dane. Thanks for listening. Peace out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.